Uh, you gotta, you gotta thrust to bust. Uh, actually, no, you don't. Uh, yeah, you actually don't. Uh, it's kind of like, it's like, it's kind of like a half squat, you know, sometimes, hey, you know, half squat, when I get to have, when I get halfway down, I'm already feeling the tightness. And then if I put my ass to the grass, which is why I'm busting to begin with, uh, it, uh, yeah, but you can always in return suck some titties. Uh, you know, at least, uh, at least feel vulnerable somewhere. It's like, I'm just, don't even apologize. You just lay on their chest pathetically. And you're just like, I love you. Um, <laughs> welcome to episode 165 of the Off and Beat podcast with Clint Nelson. I am your host, Clint Nelson. Uh, recording this at, we're back, we're back on that time. 2.35 a.m. Eastern on August 19th, technically, 2022. So, yeah, got thrust a bust. Um, well, not really something I have to worry about. At least, you know, maybe in the near future. Who knows? Um, but yeah. Uh, uh, oh, by the way, for the... For the, uh, what, the, what do you call it? the loyal fans. For the loyal fans out there, we have a, uh, special, special little cameo guest for, uh, I'm bring, I brought back for the video audience. It is the Ghost Energy Drinks. The This flavors the Red Berry. And you guys know when I used to be on this shit, who this pop was a different animal. But you know, I started watching my health and shit, and they're like, ah, oh, this shit's not great for you. But when I got off of work tonight, for some reason, like, I actually had this desire to try one of those Mountain Dew energy, because I was like, you know, I want, I, sometimes, ever since I got really healthier, I've been, dr- I drink soda way more than when I wasn't healthy at all. And it's this weird thing, it's kind of like my treat, you know, sometimes you gotta treat yourself. Um, except when I take her to the park, uh, the drugs isn't the only thing that's get recreational. Okay. Um, <laughs> but ever since, uh, it's weird. Like the healthier, I feel like when, when you get, when you start like actually getting healthier, you still, you develop a bad habit that you didn't once have, like, or you develop a weird thing to something, Right. Like, some people, it's like, oh, every couple weeks I have to get, like, just a Big Mac, right? And for me, it's like this soda thing. When I have a really long, tough day at work, you know, my whole five-hour shift, it, uh, I just have this desire for vanilla Coke. And even though every time I fucking go to Quick Trip, the fucking carbonator, the carbonator's shit has been fucked up for, like, two months now. You have one fucking job. Hate to be that guy. But how how does a commercial business like Quick Trip, why has your soda fountain been flat? And worst of all, why do I keep giving y'all hope that it's going to be different this time? Hmm? Why? That's why I have to pay fucking five bucks, well, for two for five, well, two for four, 50 to be exact, for the cans. Because I can't even, I can't even trust... I'll just get some caffeine from a Coke or Pepsi. Get that refreshing eye feeling. Nah. It's like you, you guys have all this fucking money. You have all these advancements. You have all these great menu ideas. You have a whole fucking QT kitchen that opens at 8 a.m. Where you can get fucking frappes. Get fucking pizzas, breakfast, tacos and shit. Like real menu shit. But you guys... Can't fucking make your Coke have a little oomph to it. It's, it tastes, ugh. it's like, ugh. not, ugh. and you just recently got back the flavoring shit, the vanilla and cherry. Like you guys were out of that for a fucking month. I know this is getting very local 
And but it's like, you know what? It fucking irritated the fuck out of me. And but the one thing I took was, hey, you know what, Clint? You've earned this. Yeah. Like, uh, what's a what's a fucking fifty shades of gray song by the weekend earned it? Earned it. Uh, I can't even think of how the fucking song goes. Even though it was the fucking theme song for BDSM. Um, it's always weird. I, you know, B, the thing about BDSM is I get it. You know, be into what you're into and all that shit. It just seems like it's, it's a lot of unnecessary shit just to get your rocks off at some point. It's like, you know, I understand, you know, you want to spice things up. You want to... It's like, I'm not spending 40 minutes, you know, tying you up to a bullet board and, you know, stapling your toes to it, you know, to, because I'm a staple in my game, all my papers together. Okay, that's definitely a Drake line. I'm a staple in the game, all my papers together. Oh, I'm already starting to feel it. I'm starting to feel the nostalgia. I ain't even going to lie to you. Uh, now I know why I used to drink this shit before the pods, especially when I would do two pods in a night sometimes. Ooh, those back-to-backers. Ooh. But, man, when I'm on this shit, it's really a cheat code. But, you know, I try to be all natural. But fuck that being natty. I, I don't want to be a natty potter. I don't. I want to be enhanced. Put me on the juice. I need to start, like, fuck it. Fuck the long-term benefits of my health Fuck the long-term benefits of sustainability. No, I want it now. Um, <laughs> I want to give you guys the most electric, the most fucking just vile, flagrant, the most just energetic version of myself, man. My eyes, my eyes are wide open. Oh, Jesus. Oh. And now I know why, because it, it fucking wake, it brings up the mind. I think it's really, I just need to get back to doing it this time of night. But anyways, enough of the, you know, inside, inside pod ball. <laughs> just uh, touching all your bases. Uh, just uh, sliding in them DMs that I don't even have a social media to slide into. So, you know, that's how you know I ain't sliding. I'm gliding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I gotta admit, I forgot what I was about to admit. I admit, I admit, right, R. Kelly? Ah, Jesus. Okay. Jesus, this fucking toenail is disgusting. I ain't gonna lie to you. It's, it literally just looks like a lima bean on my toe. It's so sensitive it could fall off. Um, yeah, sorry, got distracted, um, and that's what she said, uh, no, literally, that's what someone told me today, is I, they literally told me that I, I distracted them, not because I actually did anything, but, you know, they were doing work and shit, and they came up to me in passing, like, I just want you to know, you look very distracting. And I think it was a shirt I was wearing, you know? It got some things popping. Like Chris Brown or Rihanna's face popping. Uh-huh. I guess uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say they never had their proper uh, say goodbyes. Uh, that's not a thing to joke about. But yo, excuse me, miss. I saw that line from coming across the room, but didn't see... Coming from across the driver's seat, I guess. Okay, Clint. Um, <laughs> um, too much. Oh, Jesus. Oh, uh, but yeah. The whole fucking... Yeah, no, I, I, I really do think, like, it's weird that the whole... Like, when you do, like, change your lifestyle and stuff, there's... The, you almost develop, like... A, you, you feel like you gotta have something. You gotta have something that you know you shouldn't. It's like it's like having that girl that lives six miles away from you. It's far enough where it's not convenient enough where you will be around each other all the time. 
But it's not so inconvenient that if you really wanted to, you couldn't. And you know better, but it's just like, I gotta have something. You know, I, I, I do too much, I have too much self, I have too much self-adulation and discipline to not treat myself sometimes. You know, and I treat myself to a flat vanilla Coke. And, you know, and like in this scenario, hypothetically, sometimes I treat myself to where you are six miles away. I don't have to do it. But life's better when I do. Um, <laughs> also, it just kind of brings me because you don't want to be that person that's just so obsessed and you're so into. Well, I'd say that back. You want to be a person because you, you have to be obsessed with things to actually honestly become decent at them or good at them or at least to just actually be interested in it. Um, because if you're not really to put yourself into something, what are you really doing? You're just kind of dabbling in. You want to be that person that just dabbles in things. The one who, oh, I did jujitsu for two months. Then I did hot yoga. And then, you know, they went out and fucking, oh, you know, actually I do uh, tanning beds now. It's like, that's not an exercise. It's like, actually, because the sun, I burn a lot of in cellular calories and shit, and it's like, I think you're just burning your skin off, so, skin's getting thinner, you lose weight, um, that's how that works, right, um, <laughs> uh, not a big fan of the tan, not a big fan of it, I don't know what it is, it just doesn't look good, I don't know how anyone comes out of a tanning bed, and it's like, I'm glad I did that, there's no way you come out of a tanning bed. You see the results of a tanning bed and you're like, wow, my judgment is through the roof. And I guess you were missing one because you look like you live in a house where you didn't have a roof. Um, I can be your sunshine. Okay. You can call me your baby boy. Uh, Actually, I call you my baby. Baby boy, you call me your baby girl. Maybe we could spend some time. Okay. Um, sorry to go out on a tangent. Ah, see, tan. Ah, Jesus. But um, yeah, the lines are really hidden here. I'm really relying on the goose to come back from the Christmas past, and uh, I guess I just don't have it anymore. I lost a step. Uh, but you couldn't walk a mile in my shoes because these shoes you squeezing in them. Okay. <laughs> and that's why my toenails falling off. Um, because I don't know the properly fit shoes. Um, <laughs> but yeah. What was that? Oh yeah. Tanning. <laughs> I don't know why I lost my turn. Tanning, I, I don't find it attractive. I don't find someone that goes from my skin complexion to let me let me think of a compare looking like a uh, three musketeer nougat. I, I'm not a big fan of it. A little light, you know. You you gotta you gotta increase the shade gradually. It's like you go to Home Depot, right? They have the paint. They have the paintings, or not the paintings, but they have the paint. They have a whole section for paint. Like, it's almost like the dude's an expert. I don't know if you've ever actually had to go to Home Depot and go through the whole picking out your paint process. You would think, I'm just going to go in and get blue. I'm going to go and get some blue paint for my room. You know what happens? You go in there, they're like, we got a lot of different type of blue. And I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus, I got a clue. Okay, um, Mrs. Peacock, um, <laughs> that is the blue one, right? Yeah, Mrs. Peacock, man, I do pee out of my cock, um, <laughs> why did I put it like that? Welcome to NBC, oh, I got 30 rock cocks, ready to grok, 
Because uh, I can make your bed rock. I can make your bed rock. And, uh. But, you know, it doesn't. You know, I don't bring to my bed to make it rock. Girls are excessively tanned. I. Like, the perfect. Here's the perfect, like, natural tan. Is a girl who just fair skin or just normal skin. And then they go to a Braves game at a one o'clock game. You're there for maybe four hours. Maybe it's a 12 inning game. Maybe you'll get a little extra, right? You know, get a little extra. You're wearing the red oversized, you know, button up that your date, you know, is letting you wear because you didn't have any Braves gear. But, you know, uh, you didn't want to go there in just some bland, generic you know, arrow pastel shirt, you know, he was like, you know what? No, you got to live the fandom. It gives you a red shirt enough where the sun will still bleed through and your face will still get what it needs to get. And then you're wearing your short shorts and ooh, that short temper. Oh, <laughs> but you know, maybe, maybe you sweat the cooch down there. I don't know. You know, let the hyenas out. You know, what a wild and wily Cody. Um, <laughs> uh, that Cody. So, so, so spook me. Um, but. That's like the perfect tan. It's like a 12 inning game that lasts like four hours. Maybe. But it's a natural tan. So it's probably like, what, eight minutes in the tanning bed, I'm assuming? I don't know how long you're in the tanning bed. I've been in the tanning bed like twice in my life. Only because it came with a membership. And I'm like, let me see. And one time, I uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't tan evenly, let's just say. And it was very incongruent. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't, don't wear certain underwear. That's all I can say. Um, <laughs> uh, but the tanning, it's, it's getting out of hand. It's, it's as excessive that I'm going to be as tan, like, you know, we, we want to talk about, um, colorism and shit, but we just accept tanning and all these like woke White woman type of, you know, white woman shit where they're all for all the shit. And yeah, they go to the tanning bed and they're no different than Rachel Delazelle, who used to be the NAACP president. And she was actually a white woman, but she like always had this makeup and she always heavily tanned and put her hair in a certain way. And then she even had a certain accent that she stereotyped of who the people that she was representing and it was kind of ironic how someone really views people in a certain way. But hey, that's actually, to me, one of the weirder problems. It just kind of looked funny the way she looked, to be honest. But the real issue was she was basically trying to do what the Sarah girl on Theranos, where she changed her whole voice and shit. Except at least the girl on Theranos do so she would be taken serious. The other woman did it because she was trying to be a stereotype of what she felt. The people she was representing actually are in her eyes. But hey, the bigger issue, of course, is that, oh, she pretended to be black and stuff. It's like, yeah, you know, the looks and the hair is one thing. I mean, it didn't really look great. It didn't really take a genius to look at that person and be like, yeah, I never thought she was black or even mixed. She looked like just a really obnoxiously tanned woman. See, and that's where us white men, we come and play. We can pick out just an obnoxiously tanned white woman. That maybe others were mistaken. It's like there's just certain things us white men understand. Obnoxiously white tanned woman. We've all come across them. We all know the ones that look like Teresa from the Real Housewives of New Jersey who marries a, bo a mob boss and then wants to cry and bitch when he goes to jail for nine years for doing mafia shit. It's like, I don't understand how this could happen. It's like, you literally voluntarily married into this shit. 
That's how it happened. Alright? If you step your foot in the pool, don't be surprised if the chlorine hasn't mixed in yet. And it burns, you know, you get Antonio Brown. Um, <laughs> what, what was it called? A cryo. Yeah. Different things, but you get where I was kind of going with that. Um, you can cry alone in your chamber of secrets. All right. Because, you know, whatever she says, multiply by three. Um... <laughs> God damn it, J. Cole. Um, but yeah. I, and that's what us white men are here for. To diagnose the obnoxiously tanned white woman. Because I always think that you always have a better gauge of your race when it comes to things. Of you look at someone your race when they do something that's really weird. And I actually think you have a better gauge of visual things that you wouldn't understand unless you were in like of other of other races and cultures and religions and stuff. Like, I don't think you would understand as much unless you were actually in it every day, unless you were at home, you know, with a representation of what you're judging and what you see and you see actually how things work. To make things look a certain way. And you ask anyone. Whether it's black, white. You know. Colombian. Asian or whatever. There's stereotypes between all moms and dads. Right? And you know what? Some of it's true. Some of it is overblown. And the rest is probably truth. Um, (laughs) um, So... But the things, especially when it comes to the cosmetic, the makeup shit, you, when you see in person how far some things can go these days, it's like, oh shit. Literally, that's what's in some of this makeup, bad shit. And uh, that's why they're bad shit crazy. Uh, that's why you just throw them up in the attic. Um, <laughs> uh, be like one of those creepy old men that like live... I don't know how those people never understand when someone's living in their attic for four fucking years it's like yeah you know we just found out that this homeless guy was just living in our attic for four years it's like did you not lock the doors before you leave the house you really think this guy just got on a fucking ladder climbed your three-story house in the middle of the fucking day and no none of your fucking neighbors saw it You're really going to have me believe that with the straight fucking face? Really? Because the attic's at the top of the house. Newsflash. It's not the base. I can understand the basement. If you never go in the basement, it's just kind of refur- furnished. I can understand how someone can sneak through the back door, under door of a basement. You, maybe you can even go through under the house and sneak in a certain way. The fucking attic? You're really going to tell me with a fucking straight face? A guy just lived in our attic for four years and we didn't know about it. But you wake up in the middle of the night when you feel like there's a rattle of a ghost. It's like, I feel like our house is haunted. It's like, nah, the the homeless guy, he's just a, you know, he's a playing hide and seek with himself. Boo, bitch. Boo, Barry. Um... <laughs> <sighs> And honestly, like, I don't know if that's technically like squatting. Like, I understand the squatting is actually if you, if it's like a house that no one technically owns and it's like abandoned or foreclosed, but then they want to actually like refurnish. It's like some person that squats in a house, quote unquote, where basically they just live in a house. They just kind of break into a house and live there without paying shit. And technically, if they're there for a certain amount of time, in most cases, they actually can't kick them out. They actually technically or a tenant or an owner of a property, as long as they get like some weird certificate from the government, if even that. Um, I wonder if it's like that. 
if you have a, if you have a random person sleeping in your attic that you don't know, technically they're like a resident. It's basically like common law of marriage. Like you don't have to be married to someone, and then if you're just with them for seven years, if you live, I think if you basically live together for seventy years, it's basically common law of marriage, and it's basically where you get all you are legally viewed as a like married couple. You were legally viewed. With like all the taxes and the quote unquote benefits, if you want to call that benefits, uh, some people would argue. No, trust me, it's not a benefit. It's like, well, then why are you, well, why are you living together? Like, you know, it's cheaper. It's like, okay, well, that's a benefit. All right, so stop bitching. Um, <laughs> but it's basically like they're basically like, hey. I'm basically like an adopted son, even though I'm older than all of you. Um, <laughs> think of me just like as an adopted, like, think of me just like as a stray dog. I'm part of the family. It's like, yeah, we will bury you in the backyard. But, you know, we don't know who to call to come to your funeral. Because um, <laughs> if we did, you probably wouldn't be homeless because you'd probably be staying with them. Um <laughs> That's actually really fucked up. Um, not trying to shit on this hypothetical homeless man living in the attic, but hey, man, like, you know, living up there with the bats. I guess he's a Batman. Um, <laughs> uh, except his idea of a Batmobile is, um, you know, He doesn't, he, he doesn't have them because he doesn't even have a mobile phone. Ha <laughs> ha. But that's crazy, you know? Yeah. Death spotted the squat. Uh. Uh, yeah. It's good stuff. That'd be kind of a cool occupation, though. Like, if you were one of those people that wanted to travel a lot. I think if you're like one of those people that you want to actually experience life, you know, you're one of those, I'm going to travel the world, I want to travel the country and stuff. It's like, you know, and I'm not actually not like, I actually think that's really cool if you can afford and, you know, that's what you want to do. But, you know, when you start breaking down the logistics, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for hotels. It's a lot of money for Airbnbs if you're doing extended stays in certain places. And some people like someone I know they do, they they kind of want to do a camper RV type of thing. That's probably the better because at least like wherever you go, there you are. And you at least have a consistent home place. You could go wherever any night, move whenever, and you're probably at least saving money somewhere. Um, but let's just say most cases people, you know, they take their hatchback Subaru and like, I want to go. I want to go to, you know, the Colorado Rockies. I want to go to Yellowstone. I want to go to Wisconsin, Wyoming, you know, Nevada Desert. They basically just want to go where all the bitches get kidnapped. Uh, They want to go to all these, like, great national Everglade parks. And it's like, oh, we haven't seen Sandy in a while. She went there with Randy. What happened? It's like, eh. it's like I don't know. You know, you know, Ray, no, it's, we got in contact with Randy's family. They haven't heard from him. Uh, it's like, oh my god, maybe they both fell off. You know, maybe they went on one of those hikes and they both just fell off a mountain or some shit. It's like, yeah, or more like Randy probably just pushed Sandy off, you know, <laughs> the cliff and uh. I guess she didn't watch Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone. Um, that's a rocky situation. All right, Clint. Sorry. I had to do it to him. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. I guess you could say her life was expendable. All right. It's not funny to make fun of someone's hypothetical life. But it seems like they always want to travel these couple goals. They want to travel to these places. The Brian Laundry situation. They, they want to travel to these places. Like, someone always dies. Someone always disappears. And yet, people continue like, no, we're going to be the one that's different. 
It's like, yeah. And guess what? All those situations, they said they were going to be the ones that were different. You know, it's a common thing. You're not different. You're more of the rule than the exception. That's just life. The second you think you're the exception, it's going to make a rule out of you. That's the way the shit goes. Whenever you think you are different or built different or it's going to be different for you, let me just tell you, it's not. I hate to break it to you. If you, it's like Future Sencha, if your girlfriend has any season opener to at the basketball game, if she's sitting courtside on the basketball team, she's fucking somebody on the team, she's at the game. Alright, that's the rule. Alright. That's the rule. If your girlfriend is courtside at the basketball game, she's fucking somebody on the basketball team. Alright? If you're if you have one of these weird couple gold things and you go to one of these parks consistently with people, it's gonna happen to you. One of you it's going to want to kill the other person. You're going to want to do some really terrible shit. You know why? Because ironically in nature, it's human nature. Because you know what? I almost think it's absurd to never want to like strangle your significant other. Like you should want. That's how you know you truly give a fuck and you feel something. It's when you look at your partner and you're like... If you could just not be here right now, if, if if there was only something I could do with my hands and take out, but something drives me crazy about you, I love it, I love you, and I hate how much I love you, girl, I can't stand how much I need you, because, you know, if I, I, I literally just need you so I don't go to prison, um, <laughs> but it's, it's just this kind of, uh, it's the rule. Like it is human nature to want to, if you're with someone long enough to want to fucking just strangle the fuck out of them. I don't want to say kill, but you know, I, I'm not saying I understand why people you know, abuse their partners because it's wrong. I would never do such a thing. Of course. Of course. Um, but I get it. You have, you're around someone long enough. You're around someone in those conditions where you're getting bitten by mosquitoes. It's dry heat and shit. Agitation on agitation. They're probably annoying as fuck because they're agitated. Then you're just annoyed at each other. While getting bit by mosquitoes and fucking hornets. Like, yeah. What do you think's gonna happen? Happy things, you know, like, there's never been a beautiful, love, happy ending at one of these places. It's always some unforeseen situation happened. Like, we went down the waterfall, and for some reason, his head got decapitated by a big-ass rock down the waterfall. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of clumpy rocks. And it said on the sign, don't free dive down this waterfall. The waterfall is to see, not to participate in. You see? <laughs> but no, people always like, I want to live life on the edge. It's like, all right, cool, whatever. By the way, and I've been to national parks, and I plan on going to national parks in the future. You know, in the near future, actually. But, you know, I'm realistic. Like, to me, if I was with someone and they didn't at times just want to grab my throat and, like, want to stab me in the chest, I would just be like, you know, I just don't think you have it for me. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is the toxic world we live in. It's that I feel like a woman's got to want to stab me. To actually prove her love for me. But you know. There's, there's a 2% part of me. Just a 
just just two percent, you know, like the milk in the titties. Um, <laughs> give me the bottom and D, baby. Um, <laughs> strong bones equals, you know, a strong bone. Um, <laughs> she'll thank me later. Um, <laughs> uh, but um. Yeah, I think that is a C. I'm, I'm pretty sure milk is actually very good for dick. Why, why did I put it like that? I'm going to say, I think milk is very good probably for like blood flow. It's probably very good for hard dick. So, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I've never done a study on this shit. Um, as a grown man, I'm even if I ever do studies on shit, it's never going to have the word grown dick in it. Um, I didn't even say grown dick, but now I'm just adding shit to the study. Uh, study my grown dick. Um, why is it so veiny? It's like, eh, it's like my personality. I do it in vain. Um, and that's why, uh, you know, I got thrust the bust. My vein. <laughs> uh, which one? I have so many on my body right now. It's hot stuff. Um, but yeah, there's, a. Uh, Jesus, this pod is off the rails. Thanks to Ghost. And, you know, when my girlfriend kills me, I'll literally be a ghost. <laughs> but, no. But no, isn't that fucked up? That And I think that's why I probably like on social media and stuff, a lot of those videos get a lot of play. Because it's... Typically, no no one's really that serious when they're making jokes of the craziest girlfriend, the craziest boyfriend. They're willing to die and do all this dumb shit. You hear those crazy stories where it's like a woman stabbed her boyfriend four times and then he was in the hospital for a month and then he goes back to her because, you know, she apologized and he loves her still. Like, it would be easy to judge and be like, dude. She tried to kill you, but at the same time, she tried to kill you, and there's a weird kind of like, hmm, this woman's got my back, even if she tried to paralyze me, but hey, I feel like this, this girl would do anything for me, if she's willing to do anything to you, she's willing to do anything for you. Jesus, that is the most fucked up, but it actually makes sense. And I came up with that on the spot. And I am fucking proud. And that's going to be tough. If she's willing to do anything to you, she's willing to do anything for you. Okay? Jesus. And I think that's the thing. I think when people talk about getting bored, it's like, I don't even feel like this person wants to like, you know, Nudge me. I don't even feel like this person wants to yell at me. And I think that's when people start tuning out. Because they don't think it's authentic. I think we all know deep down. I think when people talk about authenticity and genuineness and the feel alive with someone. It's the threat that this person might do some fucked up shit to me. If I act wrong. And that's and that's how you get these bitches to act right. Um, <laughs> it's just uh, scare them and make them feel like you're going to... You're going to do some bad shit to them, you know? Baby, come back. Um, That's Ray Rice. Okay. Um, <laughs> Should have just, uh, just picked the lobby. Um, <laughs> what if, like, the whole reason? Uh, just hypothetical. I have a theory about that shit. I think she pressed the wrong... I think she pressed the wrong floor number. And something happened at dinner and shit. And he was like, he was already feeling some type of way. And that small thing where she pressed the wrong floor number. Just to see if he would say anything. To test him. Because you gotta love it when they test you. You gotta love it. And he was tired of it. And I think that's when he uh, gave it the old smackaroo. Heard around the world. Um... <laughs> It was only worth two games at first until there was outcry. It's funny how that works. Um, don't even get me started on this Deshaun Watson shit. And look, I've been the most anti-Deshaun Watson this whole time. I'll say this. I've been the most anti-Deshaun Watson when all this stuff started. Like, 
I'm not necessarily someone who's very first to react on legal stuff. Like the 20, like it, my, my issue with a lot of the stuff before him was how people were trying so hard to defend him and getting this stuff when it's like, dude, let's just be simple here. When so many people say a similar thing about you, there's something to it. And any dude that was trying to defend them or anyone in general are people who 50 people could tell and have a consistent uh, characterization on that person. And they would still be like, but that's not who I am. It's like, if a lot of people say a similar thing about you, a summation of who you are and what you do, that is what you do and who you are. I hate to say it, alright? And I was always on that fence with this shit. Like, if you want to sit there and try to say Deshaun Watson is 100% innocent, I can't take you serious. I just can't. Now, with that being said, first it all started when he, first of all, he had the, the NFL got the Sue L. Robinson lady, who was like a former attorney general or some of... Uh, I think in New Jersey or whatever, because that's technically where the NFL kind of presides and all this stuff, right? So she did a arbitrary third party, just independent review that was more, it's literally just like, here's my assessment. It's not like this is the ruling, but this is my assessment based off your your rulings, the information with the situation, what your collective bargaining agreement the, your league conduct policies and all that stuff in consideration. Her ruling was six games. Now, it seems a little low, but she also put there's a lot of predatory behavior. There's lack of remorse. There are issues with this person, but based off essentially the guidelines of the conduct policy, there was nothing criminal so she couldn't really go to the double digit game. So it was like six games and no fine. And then the NFL's like, thanks, but that's not what we're looking for. So then they found another person who would do the same process. And I guess he came to a higher number. And. Then they finally, Deshaun Watson, the NFLPA, and the NFL came to an agreement. He suspended 11 games, which is a weird fucking number. Suspended 11 games and fined $5 million. The 11 games seems like a weird number until you actually see, oh, he's going to return for the Texans. How fucking convenient. Oh, the game he returns to is literally the Texans? Really? When most, it would be just 12 games. 11 is a very oddly specific number. Which kind of shows a lot about really what this situation is about. Um, but to me, it seemed more like the NFL at some point. It was like, okay, what's the point of hiring these consultation, these opinions and shit. To where you already know what you want to do. You already have a set area. Of what you're willing to accept in terms of punishment and not go below. And you just kind of, it's almost like you're going to keep looking until you find someone who's going to give you the ruling that you want. When you can just do the ruling yourself and save all this extra information for PR to make it look like you went through an extensive process. When really, you just went through and tried to find whatever ruling someone was willing to give to make it at least look like, see, we didn't just do a random fucking punishment. We didn't just do a random shit. We actually got all these, you know, third opinions and all this shit. It's like, well, the first one you completely were just like, nah, we're not doing that. We're, we're, we got to get more. That was my issue with the whole thing. It's more just how the NFL just really seemed like they wanted to. You know, they wanted to make the optics look a lot better than what if you actually look what happened really did. So really, no one comes out of this really looking that great.
I would prefer the NFL just be like, look, we want to suspend you a whole year. And we're going to fight to do that. So you can either try to come to an agreement yourself. Or we're going to fight to get that year. Instead of doing all this unnecessary third party wasting time and all this shit. It's just like, alright. But whatever. You know. Private investigation. But yeah, no. Anyways. But yeah, I want I want to feel live. <laughs> I get it why people get bored in relationships with people. It's like, do you want to be with someone who doesn't want to stab you? Do you want to be with someone who you aren't afraid to sleep in that you do you want to be with someone that you're not afraid to sleep in the same bed? Do you? It sounds fun. Oh, the idea is fun. Oh, I want, I you know, I just, I just want someone that gives me my space when I feel like I need my space. It's like, you gotta be careful with those ones, because they might give you so much space that they realize that I I, I like I like this space. I like you. I actually, you know what, this whole having space from thing, it's actually pretty good. And then they may not ever want to get closer in space. Because um, the space between, um, uh, where with these crazy ass people, they never want to leave your side. They never want to, they, they never want to actually have a healthy Attachment? No, it wants it. It is. It, it's, it's this absurd, crazy. I I can't leave your side type of attachment, and yes, it may be annoying if you're not really into that. But just someone who's not really into obsessive attachment, it would be an adjustment. But I'll tell you one thing. They would be around me long enough and knowing my personality and knowing the things and how I operate. I would say enough shit where we're going to find out what you about. <laughs> we're going to find out what you really want to do. We're going to find out. Well, I'm going to really push your buttons. And uh, yeah, I want a crazy bitch. <laughs> I don't really want that. I actually think a lot of that. I well, obviously the stab. I actually think, like, not joking around. Like, I honestly think a lot of that shit's just kind of sad. The obsessive attachment shit, but it's always fun to think about. You know, I I think it would be a fun thing to feel to feel like you're with someone that is like that crazy, crazy. Where it's like, oh, it's like. That shit's fun until it ain't. Because when it gets real. That's the type of person that you move in with. After like two months of being with them. And that's the type of things. Where it's like. Those things never. Like there's never been a story in the history of humanity. Where people moved in. Within two months of meeting each other. And it worked out. Just decent. Not even great. Not fantastic. Not that lasted forever. But just that it didn't end egregiously that's the standard I have if you move in with someone after two months of meeting them like you're just hoping that you know your credit score doesn't drop a couple hundred points because you know they get a hold of your credit card maybe finance a car you know I mean you know the use um (laughs) not speaking from experience of course you're just hoping you're you're not you're not hoping for anything great. You've already basically given up on your ventures as a human being because it's over for you. And it doesn't you move in with someone after two months of meeting them. There's not a history in history where it has worked out okay. Not a single one. And yet, people still do it. You know why? Because people, 
think they're the exceptions. No, we're the gonna be the different ones. It's like, no, you're actually exactly because you all say the same shit. You're not different. And it's really irritating me. It's kind of like those car, it's kind of like those uh, soda fountains at Quick Trip. They're not different. They're still fucked up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's just uh, <laughs> young love. Young love is this beautiful travesty. It's so be- it causes a beautiful mind to um, young love can cause a beautiful mind to forget what's beautiful in mind. Ooh, look at Clint. Look, look at Clint putting shit on the spot. A beautiful mind. Well, shit, I already forgot how good it was. (laughs) It was so good, I forgot. I can't even repeat it. Young love will cause a beautiful mind to forget what's beautiful in the mind. Mm. There we go. Um, I do believe that you have to be in a bad relationship to appreciate a good one. I, I I don't care if people say, I'm a true believer. And anyone's like, no, you don't. It's like, yeah, you do. Because whether you come from a really fucked up situation from youth or a really good one, like, what's, like, you, to appreciate something in real time and in longevity, you have to have a combination of understanding of what's a big deal and what's not a big deal and the only way you truly understand that is really bad experiences and good enough experience to realize okay to understand what's normal what's not what are warning signs what leads up to this what leads up to that and you have to have really fucked up situations with people to understand that it grounds you Actually, here's it. There was someone I was thinking earlier where, um, oh yeah, I'm actually a believer that I believe depression actually, um, this is kind of like, I don't know if this is a, like the most original thought because I'm think, I think we've all thought versions of it, but I honestly do think that you kind of have to, I, I believe that depression kind of makes you, when you go through depression and get out of it, that's the key part is getting out of it, of course. But I think once you go through it and get out of it, I truly do think it makes you a more grounded person. Because think about what really causes most people's depression. It's unfulfillment, it's unhappiness, it's it's feeling of self-loathing, it's feeling like you're not worthy enough, essentially. That's simply what most depressions are. It's And to be honest, these days, it's mostly people just, you know, things aren't ideal. And take that for however you want, insensitive, fine. Just my observation when I hear a lot of people talk about they're sad because this hasn't worked out or this or, you know, this light, this hasn't been what I thought it'd be. It's like, all right, um, I don't know what you want everyone else to do about it, but okay. And, but I honestly do think depression, when you go through it, it grounds you. I do think that. I think it, in a weird way, it humbles you. And it's weird that something that makes you feel so bad humbles you. But I think that's kind of what makes it beautiful. Because when you get out of it and you reflect on a lot, you realize, and I think a lot of people have a similar story, you realize the bad that you loathed on and the, the things that you focused on weren't really that bad. 
more times than not. Of course, there's the exceptions. There's like actual like situations in life that happen that are very specific that just fuck someone up to the core, like someone losing a parent or a sibling or a really close friend or something like that. Like that shit is normal to fuck with you, right? But when it's just people's gradual process of how they view their life and stuff like that, I get it, but... It just seems that if you, if you really talk to someone who's gone through depression and people that are currently going through it, you, you see how the person who went through it, they typically are more angry at themselves that they focus on something that they weren't really depressed about, but they wanted to be depressed about. And all it did was distract them. From actually getting out of it. And things like I talked about in the previous pod near the end. Where I said. You know happiness is a choice. Like you actually have to do shit to make yourself happy. You actually have to. Do things to. Um, make yourself feel like you're actually. Going in the right direction in something. And I think a lot of. I think a lot of depression. Is honestly caused when people don't trust in what they're doing. You don't trust what you're doing over time. You're going to wane from it. You're going to not put the same continuous effort that it takes to do whatever you're trying to do. Maybe you don't know what you want to do. And that's a real thing. But I think once you get in a place where you get past all that shit and you're very consistent and you're just very, you trust what you're doing. You have no reason to be sad or depressed. And I think people radiate off that. And I think when you get out, I think really like the happiest people are the ones when they get out of it. Like, those are typically, I think, the funnest people to be around because they have that experience of like, hey, it's not like whatever you think you're going, it's not that big of a deal. Like a lot of this shit is not that big of a deal. Like someone's car, like if someone's car breaks down. You see a lot about someone. I know that sounds so small, but when you see someone throwing a b- bitchy fit because their car won't start, like I get the stress, I get that it's gonna make things a little tough, right? But you see a lot about how they're not mad because their car isn't starting. They're mad because they know they haven't put themselves in a position to probably fix that car. They probably are more stressed of the fact that they know they've kind of days. They've kind of ignored things about it. They've kind of ignored to take care of things. To... Um, to prepare for this unexpected inconvenience and I think I think when you prepare for things and you're prepared for the unexpected more or you're willing to be more okay with unexpected things and you have more of a mindset that unexpected things are going to happen so you prepare financially or whatever I typically think you're typically much happier because there's this confidence of you understand like it's going to be all right. I'll go through the steps. I'll do what we have to. I'll do what I have to do. But it's not that big of a deal. And I think depression. I think as long as you get out of it, it really does ground you. I do think it makes you a better person. If like anything, you proper use it properly. Um. I don't think depression is an excuse to make other people um, feel worse about themselves. I don't think your depression is an excuse to, um, to be kind of shitty to people. 
And I think sometimes people think just because they have feelings that aren't ideal that it's a proper excuse to treat people a certain way. And that shit really bothers me. So, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of, my view on that is that um, if you're depressed, stab me. You know, make yourself feel better. I'm all about making you happy. Even if it's with half of my heart. <laughs> half of my heart. Ah, uh, Jesus, Clint. Um, but yeah, I don't know. All right, let me, uh, let me pump the milk out of the titty of this pod and end it right now. All right, guys, that was episode 165. Whoo, we went off the rails. Thank God for the ghost drink for making this pod competent. Um, this enhanced pod. <laughs> oh, the blood flow was pumping. All right. All right, guys. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe. Hit the notification bell on all the apps. Most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, suck some titties. And that was the Off and Be podcast with Clint Nelson. Um, Don't forget to, you know, stab the ones you love. Because if you ain't willing to kill them, someone else will. You wouldn't want that to happen now, do you? We all show love in different ways. So, uh, oh, baby, I love your way. All right, guys, have a great day.